When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this? What is it, Tuesday morning? It's Tuesday morning. I'm super fired up today. Uh, as far as... Uh, my countdown to fall camp kickoff today. Uh, every time it's a ten day thing, my, I call it the odometer flipping. The the odometer has flipped down into the fifties. It's just uh, fifty nine days until camp starts. Man, that means it is right around the corner. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Um, not just for for camp, but you'll have preseason football. A lot of these, you know, Alabama rookies. I think several. I think one. I think it was like a dozen. NFL teams kicked off their like mandatory mini camps today or are kicking off today, including, you know, I was going through the list and there wasn't a whole lot of big name Alabama players who are going to be included that are rookies, at least, you know, Evan Neal and the New York giants, they're starting today. LeBron Ray and the new England Patriots. Of course you have, you have other players, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Xavier McKinney, the Pittsburgh Steelers with Najee Harris. I mean, there's a whole list of Alabama players. If you include non-rookies, but getting a chance to see a lot of those first year players with the entire team and it's mandatory. So the majority of the team is going to be there. I think that that should be something to watch and monitor because this is the first step in figuring out, okay, who's going to actually contribute, who's going to start and where, you know, I think Evan Neal's probably going to play right tackle for, for the giants, but in the lions are one, but Jamison Williams, I'm not sure if he'll be, you know, how much he'll be right. participating coming off that torn ACL. I doubt he'll be doing really anything or at least not much. So that is fairly interesting. And like you said, less than 60 days, less than two months away from the start of fall camp for Alabama. And we're just over a month away from SEC media days. So we're working our way through the offseason. It's getting here slowly but surely. But, Jimmy, today there's two topics that I wanted to talk about. Um, one yesterday, Athlon Sports released their 2022 preseason All SEC team, which was four different teams, and 18 Alabama players were included on those four teams, which was the most in the conference. I think Georgia had 13, Texas A&M had 12, and Tennessee had 10. They were the only other schools that broke double digits. Several teams had nine, but the only schools that were able to break double digits were those four. But then the other topic that we're going to be discussing is just rivalries. You know, Alabama, LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, a lot of debate here recently. Who are Alabama's rivals? And is Tennessee still a rival? Is is LSU a rival with how things have gone? Is A&M a new rival? So we'll be talking about all that stuff today as well. And that should actually be pretty interesting. But I wanted to get your thoughts before. I don't know if you have the list pulled up. If you don't, then we can certainly go over it together. But of, you know, these 18 Alabama players who made the preseason all-SEC team for Athlon Sports. 
Yeah, uh, first of all, I mean, uh, it's fascinating. And I, I look forward to the Athlon's uh, Summer Magazine and, and Lindy's Summer Magazine, literally probably more than anyone. Uh, I'm a traditionalist. Um, I'm a, a um, traditionalist is another way to, to say I'm a grumpy old man. I like things how they used to be in the old days. And I don't want to change. I'm kind of that guy. And uh, therefore, even though with the advent of the Internet and, 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 and great websites, for instance, like Bama on three, uh, it has made those magazines um, a relic or a bit of history and unnecessary because a magazine can't keep up with the daily flow of information you get on, on the websites like Bama on three. However, I, I, it's just a tradition for me to, 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 to hold those magazines in my hand, to read them at the beach uh, where I spend a lot of my summer. Uh, so, yeah. So if it's got Athlon's name on it, I get excited about it just because I know football is around the corner. Uh, but to also criticize Athlon's four teams, I mean, four teams, <laughs> do we need to do four teams when the postseason all SEC teams are really two teams that the coaches and the AP do and uh, four teams that means all over those lists, particularly on the third and fourth teams, but maybe even on the first and second teams, but particularly on the third and fourth teams, we got guys who haven't really started games yet. And, and, and they're, and, and hey, the projections are fun. I, I like doing it myself. The projections are fun. And I know we're not supposed to take it life and death seriously, but four teams is a bit silly to me. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit overkill as well. And, and kind of how you have it broken down, or at least how Athlon has it broken down, is Alabama has seven first-team all-SEC players. They have five second-team, two third-team, and four fourth-team. And granted, I think in Alabama's case, when you start looking at some of the fourth-team guys, I, I think those are players that are a lot more established you can't say that for everybody, but, you know, you got DeMarco Hellums, you got DJ Dell, you got JVN Cohen, and you have Brian Branch. And I think all of those players, yeah. I mean, they've gotten a lot of starts. You know, a lot of those, several of those guys, a majority of them have been multi-year right. starters. Um, so, you know. You can I make a case for them. You can make a case for them to be higher. So I like that. Yeah. And one of the things that we're going to talk about here in just a second, after we, you know, kind of get out of the way, who's all where and what we think about it is I w and I thought about posing this question on Twitter, but first I wanted to do it on the podcast before I did. And it was just discussing who is maybe a guy who is not on the first or second team for Alabama who you feel most confident will be a first or second team guy by the end of the season. Um, wow. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that there are probably a couple that I just off the top of my head, uh, you know, are just going through the list would probably say that I would predict. And we'll get to that here in just a second, but we'll talk about the different players and, and where they rank. And, you know, the seven first-team guys, we'll start with that. You got quarterback Bryce Young. You got all-purpose back Jameer Gibbs. You got offensive lineman Emil Ekior Jr. You got defensive lineman Byron Young. I thought that was a little bit surprising, seeing him up there with the first team. Linebackers Will Anderson and Henry Toa Toa. And safety Jordan Battle. So what did you think about those guys? Uh, I, I, I would include all of them, uh, or I certainly don't have any sort of uh, criticism about including any of them. I think all are, are deserving. Uh, I, I think all of them could end up on the postseason first team. And as to Byron Young, I'm going to call this my tweet of the summer 
and, and uh, God knows, as everybody knows, they're sick of seeing my tweets. I tweet all freaking day and it drives people nuts. Uh, but maybe my single best tweet so far this summer, uh, I got curious about it and, and, and went to the Google and looked it up and wrote stuff down and did uh, a full 10 minutes of research. And what I determined was Jalen Carter at Georgia, who I love, who I, I think he might have been the best player on Georgia's defense last year. That's how good that guy is. I love him as a prospect. I think he should be a top five pick in the, in the NFL draft next April. So this is not meant to, to drag on Jalen Carter. I love him. I, I think the kid's great. Byron Young statistically, statistically matches Jalen Carter stat for stat over the last two seasons. Now, I realize Byron is one year older. So I'm comparing Byron's junior and sophomore year to Jalen's sophomore and freshman year. So advantage gives Byron a slight advantage, one year older. But just taking those two seasons into account, Byron Young has four more tackles, more tackles for loss, and just two sacks less than Jalen Carter in two seasons. So for all the flash that, that Jalen Carter shows, and he's great, he's great, Byron Young productivity is neck and neck with him which is amazing considering I believe Jalen probably plays more snaps than Byron. Well, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that because, and really I wouldn't say that my goal was to poke a hole in your argument, even though I was just wanting to make sure we gave people a complete picture, but I went and looked, that's exactly what I was doing as you were talking at the last Mm -hmm. two seasons, as far as the snap counts are concerned. Uh, Yeah. And and what's fascinating is that Jalen Carter in 2021, he played 396 snaps. Byron Young played really? 399. So he wow. played same snaps. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm talking within three. That's the same. It's uh, nuts. That's the same. Yeah. The year before, Jalen Carter played 287. Byron Young played 297. Same snaps, really. So there are 13 snaps different. Byron Young has played 13 total snaps more than Jalen Carter over the last two seasons. Now he's also been at Alabama in 2019, so he's got more snaps there. But it doesn't matter. You know, over the last two years, when you look at, at the snap counts, that's fascinating to me how yeah. near identical that is. Yeah, and, and Jalen Carter's reputation is massive, and I'm not sure people outside Tuscaloosa know who Byron Young is. I do think so, it would, I, I, I think mean, it's great. It, it, it is fascinating because on that uh, Athlon preseason All-SEC team, you had Byron Young, the defensive lineman for Alabama, sitting right next to Byron Young, the edge rusher for Tennessee. You two, anytime you Google yeah. Byron Young and stuff, the first That's guy, the ten- yeah, it's going to be the Tennessee guy. Um, yeah. He's had a little bit more flash as far as right. statistics are concerned. Yeah, different different positions. I mean, Byron Young at Tennessee is really more of an edge guy. Byron Young, you know, the position says defensive end at Alabama, but we know that's really more of a defensive tackle spot uh, in a traditional scheme. So uh, Byron Young, you know, our Byron Young's 300 pounds. Theirs is a 260-pound edge rusher. Uh, so really, I think Jalen Carter's a better comp. I mean, in terms of, you know, they're both interior defensive line types. And, and, and Jalen's great. My only point that I make when I compare the two isn't to say I would draft Byron Young just where in the exact same spot. No, I would draft Carter higher, uh, and I think Carter is higher. But my, my, my larger point is if, if – if Jalen Carter is all that, then Byron Young needs some more looks. 
I mean, if Jalen Carter's the fifth pick, maybe Byron should be the 20th pick. You know, they ain't that far apart. And, you know, Jalen Carter, from a pressure rate standpoint, probably is a little bit more consistent. Um, yeah. But at the you, you make a good point, and your point is not to say Byron Young is Jalen Carter. It's to yep. say he's closer to Jalen Carter than a lot of people would think, considering exactly. the reputation of both players. And I know that I've been really high on Byron Young. I love his ability to stop the run. I love his ability that he can play out on the edge some. He can play, you know, obviously he can play on the interior. And I think that he offers a little bit of upside as a pass rusher. Not saying that he's there, but when you start talking about these Federian Mathis, you know, maybe not quite Christian Barmore, but these guys who have some traits that you like that can maybe translate to more production getting after the quarterback, I think Byron Young possesses a lot of that. And yeah. so I've been high on him. I know you've been high on him. We've talked about him a lot on this show. Uh, Helped him. I think we're helping him. Yeah, I think so too. And and we, you know, getting the name out there. It's not just yeah, one, one, one last point, and, and it's, it's it's riding your coattail, which is what I'm saying. And I think you pointed out this before. You know, Mathis and Barmore sort of sprung onto the scene with great senior year. They had their final season at Alabama. They had a ton of production. Both led them to being, you know, second round picks. And 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 you know, and, and it wasn't a real shock that they had those years to Alabama fans, but it was really their final year. On, on campus that they put together that kind of a season. I would argue Byron Young has shown even more signs and has been more productive prior to the last season than Matheson Barmore, which leads me to think maybe Byron Young has an even bigger year than Matheson Barmore did for their final act because I just think to this point, Byron has flashed more and maybe has been a more productive, better player than Mathis or Barmore going into that final season. Byron Young is going to have a lot more working against him because you've got now have a mature, probably going to not start, be a technical starter every game, but Dallas Turner is going to be a premier player on Alabama's defense right. from start to finish. That's something right. that Fidarian Mathis didn't have to deal with. Obviously, Christian Barmore the year before didn't have to deal with it, but then you're also going to have a dominant Will Anderson coming back, so probably a lot of the production you're going to get. If I had to guess... I would say that Alabama will try to identify that one interior defensive lineman who can collapse the pocket, provide some complimentary pressure from the interior, but a lot of times it's going to be how can we scheme or set up our edge guys to be in the most ideal situations to win one-on-one match, put them in one-on-one matchup situations, but also allow them to be able to win those consistently, which if you put them in there, they're going to, you know, put them in those situations, they're going to win a lot more times than they lose for sure. But I think that the the generating pressure on the quarterback outside of that third interior presence who I think, you know, before I was kind of predicting maybe that could be Byron Young. It certainly still could. Um, I think it could be some other guys as well, but I think Jamil Burroughs is kind of emerging as maybe that dark horse who is a lot more universally accepted for being and playing in that role. I think he's still got some work to do as far as being a run defender. I don't think he's going to be an every down guy, but in obvious passing situations, I think maybe he'll be, given those opportunities. But then, you know, if you're running a four-man front, you got to have four defensive linemen out there. So Byron Young might be that fourth guy. And he might get some pass rushing situations or uh, opportunities as well. So, yeah, I, I think that Byron Young, to me, um, I did see him projected to be a first-round draft pick in a recent mock draft. I think it was uh, USA Today, Touchdown Wire, was the one. There's so many mock drafts. 
right and i I, saw it yeah and to me when i look at first round defensive linemen you know quentin williams marcel darius jonathan allen deron Payne. these are guys that i wouldn't put byron young right now into that category and i don't don't really see him getting to that category now i'm not saying that i agree i I, you're if you're asking me for a prediction right now i I think that he could get maybe close i don't necessarily think he ever gets up to that point I see him more in the, you know, you talk about Ashawn Robinson, you talk about Jerron Reed, you talk about Dalvin Tomlinson, Fidarian Mathis, Christian Barmore, all those guys that have gone in the second round on day two of the draft. That's more so where I project, you know, him to be if he has the kind of year that I think that he can, even on, in, yep. you know, limited opportunities. I think NFL teams could like, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is a guy that a lot of your average fans they wouldn't have thought that he was ever going to be a second round pick. And I think that he's probably of the, all, the, all of those guys who have gone on day two, I would probably say Dalvin Tomlinson during the Nick Saban era has been the best of the bunch. Great two gapping defensive lineman, great run defender, underrated guy as far as pass rush. He's never going to have a ton of sacks, but I think he's a little bit underrated in that area. He was great for the New York Giants. There's a reason that the, the Minnesota Vikings offered him a sizable free agent contract, and he's been there the last couple of years and done good things, continued to be productive. It wasn't just scheme or, or the particular franchise he was with. Um, he's been able to do it for multiple franchises. So that's kind of where I could see Byron Young. But I will say at this point, just because he is kind of that, you know, can you make the argument that he's really unknown if he's already making first team preseason all SEC? Because that was the part that was surprising right. to me. I've always viewed him as the, you know, one of the more underrated players in Alabama's defense. And then he comes out and he makes first team all SEC preseason. That was just shocking to me. Yeah, and I'm with you on the second round projection, by the way. It sounds like I've been hyping him to be a first round projection. Maybe he is. Maybe he could be. Uh, but I'm with you uh, on where, where exactly you laid him out in the pantheon of recent Alabama defensive linemen. I think he's more like the Dalvins and the Ashons and the Jaron Reeds and, and, and really Mathis and Barmore. To me, I just see him continuing uh, a kind of a Barmore to Mathis to Byron Young thing of having a uh, elite defensive lineman who ends up being a second round pick, which would be a big deal anywhere, but Alabama, you know, uh, and, and Byron's just a good player. I, I think we underrate uh, too many of our players. We have so many. Uh, I, I think we underrate some of our stars. Uh, I'm not getting off on this rabbit hole, but I watched somehow stomach the first half of the Texas A&M game yesterday. And uh Man, Mechie made one play, and, and, and it boggled my mind. It got me mad for two minutes. I think some of our fans thought Mechie uh, was an average player or wasn't special. They're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> Mech, John Mechie was a damn good wide receiver and a special player. The only place in the country he wouldn't be considered special is Alabama because it's on the heels of the four freaks. But Mechie is a really – good football player and he made a play in the first half of that AM game I was like wow that that's a dude you want on your team every year there and uh, I'd say the same thing about Brian Robinson who who again not special not Derek not Mark Ingram not saying that but undervalued by even our, our own fan base yeah I mean he was Mechie was drafted number 44 overall and he had a torn ACL I mean he was coming off of a torn ACL like I'm not saying that he would have been a first-round pick had he not suffered the torn ACL. I still Might think he probably – yeah, but he could have been. I personally would have put him a lot higher in the second round. I think he would have been one of the first guys off the board come day two, and that's not that bad. I mean, yeah, 
you talk about a lot of these other Alabama receivers who have gone to the top 15. You talk about Jamison Williams, who was also coming off of, you know, a torn ACL, uh, who is coming off of a torn ACL. And I mean, I want to say, was it the number 11 or number 12? Uh, to the, yeah, 12, 12 sounds right. Yeah, to the Detroit Lions. So they not only, I mean, not only are they taking that, how they traded up a ton of picks to, in order to be able to do it. So I understand that com- for comparison's sake, uh, a lot of right. fans maybe don't want to give him the credit that he deserves. But I mean, this was a guy that he he showed out in that eight day game uh, his first year. He had a lot of talent in front of him. He had to slowly work his way up the pecking order. And people, I think, got down on him pretty quick once he was dealing with that injury coming into the season. He wasn't 100 percent. And it showed once he started getting healthy, though, over the course of the last half of the season, really uh, probably a little bit more than half. He was absolutely incredible. I mean, and if he would have been able to have that pace the entire year, he would have been up there close to 1,600-plus yards. Um, he was that good. And he complimented Jamison Williams so well. I mean, it was incredible. So I completely agree. And and when you look at some of these other players that made the list, you know, not only did Jameer Gibbs, who I like him being a first-team guy, I think he's going to be electric. I think he's going to be exciting. That's the, you know, when you talk about the ACC's best running back coming to one of the best offenses in college football, you can go ahead and make that leap that he probably deserves to be first team all SEC. And when you start looking at these second team guys, Gibbs also made it as a second team kick returner. So really it was 17 different Alabama players made the all SEC team, but Jameer Gibbs made it twice, which I like that. I I like the fact that they're showing him respect and that's something that fans should understand. He's a first team all purpose back and he's a second team, you know, kick returner. Yeah. yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, this well, guy, first team all purpose back, second team kick returner. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a guy that's going to be able to make an impact and they're expecting him to make an impact in, you know, multiple facets of the game. And, you know, the other second team guys were wide receiver Jermaine Burton. I like where he's at. Uh, I would say maybe first team, but I understand where they're coming from as far as, you know, second team. I think that's a good spot preseason linebacker Dallas Turner who I think, you right. know, I understand Will Anderson's going to be the star of that defense, but I honestly would not be shocked if both Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are first-team guys at the end of the year. I really wouldn't. And then the other one, the other Agreed. two, I guess, is uh, Eli Ricks and kicker Will Reichard. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I mean, in terms of I don't think any of them are over height. Uh, I'm with you completely on Gibbs, who I think is going to be – I mean, I, I think Gibbs is going to be a candidate to be SEC Player of the Year because not only is he going to be a quality running back, he's going to put up numbers as a kick returner. He's certainly going to put up numbers in the receiving game, and he's going to be dynamic and, and just be a big playmaker. He's our best bet to appear on ESPN Sports Center's top 10 plays on Saturdays. Uh, I, I think Jameer Gibbs, last year was Jamison. Uh, I think this year it's Jameer Gibbs, who's, who's going to be making the electric play every Saturday that, that makes him a candidate to, 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 to make that honor roll. So, uh, no, I, 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 every single player you mentioned on the second team is is worthy of second team selection or even arguably first team, depending on, you know, what, what, what player from other schools are ahead of them. It was kind of odd to me that Tyler Steen last year, he was a fourth team offensive lineman for Vanderbilt. As far as the preseason, all SEC teams are concerned. He had a good season. And yet he goes to Alabama where he should get a lot more recognition and he doesn't make it. Now, granted, I think that speaks to the depth of the offensive line because you've got guys like, you know, JVN Cohen, who was a four team guy. I think he probably should have been a little, been a little bit higher. 
uh, and, you know, JVN Cohen and Emil Ikior were the only two Alabama offensive linemen to make it. But, um, you know, I think Tyler Steen, maybe Oops. it's the fact that he's not even considered a starter yet, even though Eli Ricks, you know, right. this is a guy that's projected to go top 10, 15, roughly. You know, I could see them making that leap a little bit. But overall, I think they did a pretty good job. Now, we'll go ahead and get to, you know, just to where we mentioned where people can have all the information. Third team included Cameron Latou and Kool-Aid McKinstry. I liked that for both guys. Yeah. I think Latou is a, a an underrated tight end, and I think you'll continue to prove that. And then the fourth team, like I said, you had JVN Cohen, you had DJ Dell, you had defensive backs, you know, Brian Branch and DeMarco Hellams. All those four of those guys made the fourth team. Who yeah. uh, is somebody that didn't make this list at all or yeah. somebody who made the third or fourth team who you feel like maybe could climb and be a first or second team All-SEC player by the end of this upcoming season? Uh, the name that comes to mind for me in terms of a guy who could really move up is Brian Branch. Uh, I, I just feel Damn. like I just feel like he's on the the verge of a monster season. I think I think it finally is happening for him. And, and, and really the main thing was, okay, now he's got the experience and now he's got an opportunity because two years ago he sort of lost that opportunity to Malachi Moore. And it wasn't really until halfway through the season last year that he sort of wrestled it back from Malachi to become more or less the full-time star. And now he's going to be the full-time star as a junior. So he's got experience. He's got this opportunity. He's going to have that incredible pass rush in front of him. And really throughout the whole Saban dynasty, Clint, that hybrid position has been a real playmaking position. When you've put a good player there, like a Javier Arenas, uh, when you've put a good player there, uh, that's been a playmaking spot. And, and, and I think Branch is just perfectly suited for it. I think he's going to have a monster year. In terms of somebody not on the list, I would include uh, Steen is what immediately comes to mind. Uh, not not as a threat to make the first team. I, I, I really don't think he, he's that. And I do think to some extent, some Alabama fans are expecting too much and overrating him. For years, Clint, for years, Alabama's been putting a first or second round pick at left tackle. I mean, it goes back years. I think we need to prepare ourselves for what it's going to look like when we don't have a first or second round tackle <laughs> playing that left side. And I think some fans are going to get frustrated with it. But I think it's part of just being spoiled by, by, by the Andre Smiths and the Cam Robinsons and the Jonah Williams. Part of it is that. And part of it, but, but what people need to realize is what Steen makes us better. He makes us better because although he's not Evan Neal or anywhere close to Evan Neal, he's better than what you had at right tackle last year. And Latham is better than what you had at right tackle last year. And when you have what amounts to a consistent leak, it affects the whole unit. And I think the whole unit will play better but you need to get used to what it looks like when you don't have a first or second round lock at left tackle. And, and because we don't, I'm telling you, I think Steen is going to play well. I think he's going to play like a borderline all SEC player. And at the same time on the message boards, I think he's going to get kind of crushed by the spoiled fans, to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's so many candidates that you could, first of all, the reason that I wanted you going first is I wondered if we were on the same page with Brian Branch. And like with most things, we 100% are. He, <laughs> he is the we guy. Are. When I first thought about this, and I thought about making it a tweet last night, and I said, no, I'll wait until we talk about it on the podcast. That was the first guy who came to my mind. I think when you talk about 
you know, making splash plays and being this flashy player, I think from a coverage standpoint, is he a perfect in coverage? No. Uh, I think the further he gets from the line of scrimmage, the more you can push him vertically, the less comfortable he gets. So he might give up a big player too this upcoming season. But I think from a coverage standpoint, I think he's going to have, you know, a few interceptions. I could see him, you know, forcing a few fumbles. I'm not saying he's peanut Tillman, the former cornerback for the Chicago bears, where he's punching out every other ball that he, when he's, you know, trying to tackle a, a receiver, but I think he does have the ability to force fumbles and create turnovers in that way. I think he's going to be able to come off the edge a little bit and have a few sacks. So I could see him, you know, putting up 50 tackles, maybe, maybe not a ton, but, you know, being up there kind of in the, the fifth or sixth spot as far as tackles are concerned. And then also, but contributing force fumbles, interceptions, sacks, and just being a player that stands out that's making, because you, you got to remember how Malachi Moore was viewed when he was doing a lot of those things two years ago. That's yep. how that position can be highlighted. And it's a big reason why as a true freshman, everybody was watching him and thinking, this guy's making an impact in a variety of ways. He's going to be an absolute star, and he's still riding that hype. He, that's why he's still being considered a first-round talent uh, or you know, first-round projected player currently on a lot of way-too-early mock drafts, and I don't agree with those because I don't think the opportunities are going to be there for him to showcase that, but that's why he's there is because of what he was able to do as a freshman, and I think Brian Branch can do that plus some, and he's starting to break out a little bit. So that would be the number one guy. And then, you know, people will say maybe uh, – you know, I wanted to say Deontay Lawson. I really did. But A, you know, Henry Toa Toa, he's going to be the, the captain and the headliner. Plus, we don't even know that Deontay Lawson's going to start. It, it very well could be Jalen Moody. Tim Smith is another one that I considered. But then you look and you say, well, I mean, Byron Young's first team, Jamil Burroughs, uh, I could see him being in that conversation. But then you'll have the debate of, well, I mean, he's only playing a third of the, the snaps or less, you know, 25% of the snaps. You know, he's not seeing a huge snap share. We can't put him on the first or second team, even though he's got, you know, six, you know, sacks in tw with 25% of the snap share, which would be incredible. You know, we, we can't simply justify it because the, the snap count is not where it needs to be. But at the same time with those two guys, and then you got Justin Aboyby, it's like Tim Smith. You want to say that the talent's there to be a first or second team guy, but are the, uh, is the opportunity going to be there? I just don't think that it's going to. So, I absolutely think Brian Branch is the, the number one. Uh, Jermaine Burton is a guy who already made the second team, so you can't really talk about putting him on, you know, one of those two or climbing up there. You know, Tyler Harrell was one. It's like, I think he'll be a big play guy. I think when you actually watch the tape, you'll realize just how big of an impact he makes, but I don't think that translates to statistics that's going to back that up. Tyler Steen is one, like I said, fourth team guy last year. Could see him being at, at Alabama, being the blindside protector. If that offensive line is improved, I could see him getting a lot of recognition. I could see J.C. Latham getting a lot of recognition as well because of his, you know, high school hype and, you know, if he ends up being the player that a lot of people were hoping for, which I personally still very much believe in that. I don't think the 8A game was an accurate representation of his ability. Then I think he'll be absolutely fine and and could get some recognition down the road as well. But Brian Branch to me was just the easy choice for that. And I'm glad that we're on the same page. We only got a few more minutes left. And if, if you want, what I, what I suggest we do is just close this one out. And then we can hop back right back on and talk a little bit about rivalries for, you know, 15 minutes or so. Knock that part out. And then we can maybe share that tomorrow for tomorrow's podcast. Give people two podcasts in one week. That hadn't happened in a little while. <laughs> we're spoiling them. Told you Alabama fans are spoiled. Here we are contributing to it. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the best thing to do, and hopefully this has been a good conversation. 
and uh, people enjoyed it. But we'll be talking a lot of conversation yesterday about Alabama and Tennessee and the rivalry or lack thereof, maybe. So I wanted to get Jimmy's thoughts on that. So we'll be back again for another podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. This is the Bama on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.